Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We are at the final point in this conversation on understanding the context of the word Lucifer in Isaiah 14 verse 12. But today we'll conclude the discussion by returning to the Old Testament where it all started. But looking at the writings of the prophet Ezekiel this time, I hope though that you better understand how Jesus and the apostle used the word Satan in the New Testament and how they understood the prophetic writings on similar imagery. We looked at a statement that Jesus made. I saw Satan, the adversary, fall like lightning from heaven. In Luke 10, 18, the imagery in this verse is what I refer to as consolation or celestial imagery. The, the fall of the adversary is compared to the lightning as it flashes down from the sky. But today we're going to be looking at the Ezekiel narratives. And the focus question is, who or what was Ezekiel writing? It's the same as we mentioned with Isaiah. This time we want to know what is Ezekiel writing about? Who or what is Ezekiel writing about? Ezekiel 28 is another set of Bible verses to support the traditional story about Lucifer and Satan, even though it never mentioned either of those words in the entire chapter of Ezekiel 28. Uh, but many in the Christian community have been told an interpretation of these texts in various ways about a beautiful angelic being named Lucifer who lost his way and became evil incarnate. And as far back as I can remember, the story, the, the, the story's main points have remained unchanged. However, the same rule of literature in terms of subject and predicate that we've applied to Isaiah 14 can also be applied here. In the uh, poetic language of Ezekiel, which never mentioned Satan, he wrote these prophetic words. So I'm reading from Ezekiel chapter 28, I'll read verse 12 to 14, the New King James Version. It says, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus said the Lord God, You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in the Eden, the garden of God. You were, at, you were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God amid the stones of fire. You walked. And of course, again, you may ask what it is. What is Ezekiel describing? What could he possibly be talking about? So in the story, though, according to verse 12, the king of Tyre is the subject. And the following verses are directly related to him, which would make that 
which would make those following verses the predicate. For example, when we examine verse 13 through 14, one of the things that one of the things said about him was that he was a cherub in the Eden, in Eden, the garden of God, right? However, when we read the book of Genesis, because we have to then take it back there, right? Since it mentions the garden of God, we automatically have to somehow just check out that narrative. So we go back to Genesis. We and, and what we notice there is that the narrative never once mentioned the king of Tyre. If you know the story well, it mentioned two people, Adam and Eve. So with that being the case, a possibility to explore is that the term Garden of God or Garden of Eden is being used by Ezekiel in a non-literal or figurative sense. Remember, I I, I explained in, a, I believe it's the first episode, where those tiny bits that we discover, we have to be honest and then subject ourselves to what the scripture is actually saying. So even though we were taught something else, once we've discovered honestly what the text is saying, we must subject ourselves to it. So the figurative language makes even more sense when we read further in the book of Ezekiel and see similar examples of this Garden of Eden or the Garden of God imagery. For instance, in Ezekiel chapter 31, verses 3 and verse 9, again, I'm using the King James, the New King James Version, the prophet wrote that the nation of Assyria as a cedar tree in Lebanon, and he went on to say it was beautiful and it was the envy of all the trees in Eden in the garden of God. That was the picture that Ezekiel painted for his readers, Israel. That was a picture that he painted for them regarding Assyria. However, as we carefully read the text, it's evident that Assyria was not a tree or even a city in the Garden of Eden. The prophet then used figurative language describing Assyria as a tree in the garden to show the city's magnificence at that time. This kind of exalted motif is similar to what we, we read for the king of Babylon and even Israel. Remember the king, the king of the, you know, the king is, he was a conqueror. He was high. The city of Babylon was mounted to heaven. Israel was being cast down from heaven to earth. And so consider those imagery, the similar, the, this exalted motif imagery. So I have, so I have this question. If the king of Tyre was a cherub in the garden of God, literally, or in the garden of Eden, like it states in Ezekiel 28, and 
and, a, and the Assyrian nation was a tree in the same garden. Why take one passage more literally than the other when neither was mentioned in the original Garden of Eden story in Genesis? Isn't it more logical to conclude that the prophet's use of cherub and the tree in the garden was figurative? I'll, let, I'll, I'll give you time to think about that. I believe Ezekiel wrote it to paint a picture in Israel's mind of how prosperous the empire was in its time. The imagery represented strength, paradise, prosperity, high status, or even prestige. And also, well, when we think about everything we've the church told us about the Satan figure, one constant is that he is a spirit being. He's a spiritual being. And if that is so, what explanation can be given of the physical description used by Ezekiel if he was writing about a spiritual being? If Ezekiel was writing about Satan, the spiritual being in chapter 28, how do we explain the physical description? It says that every precious stone in verse 13, every precious stone was your covering. Sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle. Crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. The gemstones described by Ezekiel are commonly associated with royalty, both in ancient times and today, such as kings, queens, emperors, sort of like what we'll call the crown jewels. And, and this would better fit the, narr fits the narrative of the chapter and specifically verse 12, which stated the subject as the king of Tyre. We cannot ignore the subject, insert our spiritual being, and then associate the predicate to this spiritual being and it, it completely ignore the king of Tyre. That is not honest. The king of Tyre is directly associated with the precious jewels described in verses 13 to 14. But as a quick side note, as a quick side note here, based on what we know from scripture and even science, a spirit being does not have its physical body. And therefore, a spiritual being cannot wear jewelry. And I'm not trying to sound, I'm not trying to sound condescending. So please forgive me if, if you're feeling this way. A spiritual being cannot wear jewelry such as the gems mentioned in the text I've just read. You know, I remember a story in the New Testament where Jesus made a clear distinction between the spirit being and the physical being. When his disciples mistaken him as a ghost, they, they mistaken him to be a ghost. 
and he dismissed the idea, simply drawing their attention to the fact that he could not have been a spirit as they supposed. Why? As Jesus pointed out, he had a physical body. He said to them, look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and see that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And this is found in Luke 24 verses 36, 39. The notion of seeing, one of the things I remember, one of the things I remember growing up in the Caribbean church is that the notion of seeing spirit and ghosts were something commonly I heard growing up. Especially, especially in, in that environment. And, and interestingly, no one points out the contradiction of the physical eye seeing spiritual things. I, I, I don't even know what to say concerning that. I think that, and this, this ability was such a... Um, was considered such a a, a um, power to have in that environment. Someone who can see the spirits was was revered in that environment. It was was considered a mature Christian because they're able to see the spirits, specifically evil spirits. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to Ezekiel. When we look at a few verses early in chapter 28, verse 2, the ruler of Tyre is expressly said to be a man, not a spirit being. Just as we discovered when we read Isaiah 14, the, the writer eventually, amidst all the imagery, he eventually identified the subject as a man and Ezekiel did the same earlier actually earlier than than Isaiah did Ezekiel mentioned it in verse 2 of the chapter the description of the king of Tyre in verse 12 says you know he was full of wisdom perfect perfect in beauty and perfect in all thy ways and these should be understood as as hyperbole they are descriptive word describing physical properties. These types of, of limited literary imagery were used earlier in the book to show the success of the city of Tyre. And if we look at um, Ezekiel 27 verse 3 and 28 verse 3, images are used the same. You know, in Ezekiel 28, verse 16, he painted the, the king of Tyre as arrogant and dishonest in business, saying that his prosperous commerce led him down a path of sinfulness. But God banished him in disgrace and stripped him of his power and prestige. The prophet did not once mention the words Satan, the devil, or even angel in all of chapter 28. But he described in a very illustrative way the arrogance of a king 
who, like the king of Babylon, thought himself to be untouchable, and God reminded him that he is just a man. But guys, once again, there's so much more I can say on this point and all the other topics we discuss on this. But I pray that the various perspectives that we've discussed give you the space to discover the truth of the text carefully. But until next time, have a blessed day.